Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'll tell you what, one theme of our content this year that so many of you listeners have really enjoyed is e-commerce, and more specifically, the magical, mysterious world of Amazon. That's why we've gone out, we found someone who's amazing at navigating that complex world and simplifying it for all of us here. He's got an incredible marketing and sales mind to go along with it, so let me tell you about today's guest. His name is Josh Gibson. He's the CEO and founder of the Sojourn Group. Josh has been recognized for his effective leadership, exceptional communication skills, and ability to develop individuals. Individuals. He's a strategic thinker and dynamic, dynamic coach adept at vision casting, planning, and analyzing results, which is a core part of any marketing and growth strategy. His background in driving marketplace growth makes him an invaluable resource for VPs of sales, CEOs, and COOs alike. We're all going to learn so much from him today, so I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Josh Gibson. Josh, I'm so excited that you're here from beautiful scenic Seattle. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Big surprise. Big surprise. Raining Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I wish listeners could see your backdrop because you and I are obviously on video and it is beautiful. I'm a sucker for the floor to ceiling glass windows overlooking the water. You've got it made, Josh. Tell us how the heck you got there. I gave listeners a little bit of information, but give us that backstory. Uh, how we got into marketplace sales, Amazon, or into this office? What are, what are you looking for I, here? I, I want it all, Josh. <laughs> it all leads to another. They're all intertwined. <laughs> it does, yeah. So we started uh, back in 2002 um, in e-commerce sales on eBay. Back when that was the thing, we built uh, custom computers and sold them there. And then from there, we started selling components. Um, and then that just weaved its way through e-com. Got started in Amazon 14, 15 years ago. Um, and been there since. Um, in that process, um, we went from being a f- uh, third-party seller ourselves, and then we migrated into being an agency to help support other brands, private labels, uh, expand into um, marketplace. It's, it's a very complex place, specifically Amazon with all the reports, chargebacks, fees, returns, customer service. We found that it was really difficult. So we take our 36 people and we move them and shift shift them to where they're needed within an organization. Um, so we used to have our warehouse here in Washington. Since then, we moved our warehouse to Texas, and I ended up in this office in Washington. So it's nice not sitting in a warehouse all day long and nice having a little bit of a view. Yeah, I love that, Josh. That also officially makes you, whether you feel this way or not, you are one of the OGs of this space. Because when we look backwards at e-commerce, the grand scheme of planet Earth, it is a very young industry. But you've been in it from the very early on days. And I would imagine that you've seen so many shifts along the way. Talk to us. Let's let's start there. How has e-commerce changed over the past decade and beyond? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great question. It, it has changed. I mean, it changes all the time. Um, one of the sayings we have here at the company is if you're not changing, you're dying. And so what that means is we're constantly having to evolve and shift. Um, it used to be very um, se- seller-ish focused, meaning it was easier to be a seller um, and it, the uh, competition wasn't so so great. The margin squeeze wasn't so hard. All the metrics uh, to hit uh, were not as difficult. We hit them, we did a good job, but over time it continues to get more and more difficult. Um, you're finding sellers not only in the US, but also overseas. You're seeing price uh, 
price compression. Uh, you're seeing a lot of frauds. You're seeing a lot of counterfeits. Um, you have people out there uh, trying to kill your brands, um, giving negative reviews. It's become much more cutthroat than it used to be. It, it used to be um, a more enjoyable place to sell. Now it is almost like uh, a battle every day trying to figure out who's going who's gonna to screw you over. Is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be a seller? Is it going to be a customer? And just trying to stay ahead of that um, the best you can. Yeah, obviously. Gosh, you just introduced us to so many different areas and arenas where this battle takes place and all the different players inside of it. Obviously, so much of any e-commerce conversation starts with the niche, the industry. What types of products are you selling? And you mentioned your own start with regards to selling parts. And obviously, there's so many different niches out there, both on a a personal level, because you've been in the game for as long as you have, but also on a client level, because you've worked across so many different brands and industries. I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on what niches should people even be looking at and and not with regards to you naming specific niches because obviously those change literally from day to day from what i've heard sometimes hour to hour but what are the considerations that go into it for you um that's a great so we unfortunately started in the consumer electronics space and over time we we still sit in there really heavy we have a lot of clients that sit in the consumer electronics but it's a very doggy dog world um and price um, compression happens often. Um, specifically, if we're talking about Amazon, I try to find categories that are not high in rev share. So a lot of them will sit in 15%. Um, and when you start looking at inflation, you start looking at cost to get it into country, production, plus all the fees of selling on Amazon, trying to find categories that are not 15% um, is where I'd be looking at. Um, I think one really interesting niche that I'm not in, but I, I would highly encourage people to start stepping into is pickleball. I think pickleball right now is a very unique niche. If you look on Amazon, there's not a ton compared to other other places um, and the sport keeps growing. So. Uh, if I was to give a niche and a specific niche, I'd say pickleball. If you want to start manufacturing production, that's where I'd go. Yeah, I love those insights. Obviously, so much of it. Well, I'm definitely biased as a pickleball player myself. I definitely prefer tennis, but I feel you on the resurgence or the surgence of pickleball here in, in the US. But Part of me wonders, because all of us who don't live in the Amazon world, a lot of people are waiting on the sidelines, they want to get into it, they hear about some of the horror stories that you kind of introduce us to, as far as sellers not being reliable or customers filing chargebacks, all the ugly side of it. But I think few people understand the intricacies that Amazon itself as a platform in both good and bad ways changes the game. Talk to us about some of those great ways that Amazon makes it easy as far as becoming an e-commerce seller, but also introduce us, Josh, into some of the ways that Amazon really makes it a challenge and makes it harder. It used to be easier uh, to get into Amazon. They made it much more complicated to become a seller, which is good. They're finally filtering things out and weeding out people that shouldn't be selling, uh, even though there's still some gaps in that that people are flipping, slipping through. Um, I mean, I think the biggest, biggest thing they offer is a massive customer base. Um, I mean, you're able to step in there and have millions of people look at your product. Like right now we're in the October prime day and there's millions and millions of people shopping right now. Uh, across all of our clients, we've seen a significant bump in sales. Um, and so that's good. Um, from the other side of it, one of the comments or one of the quotes we have here is, Amazon will be beautiful to your top line. Your top line will look amazing, but it eats your um, your bottom line for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so we as an agency spend a significant amount of time understanding where, those, um, where the holes are uh, in the ship and patch them the best way we can. 
So some of those are uh, re reimbursements. So we, we spend a lot of time with our clients finding reimbursements, and that's items that are being shipped into Amazon that Amazon loses, and they don't tell you all the time. And so you need to find them and remind them that they owe you money, or they're shipping product FC to FC. So they're moving product from one fulfillment center to another fulfillment center, and things maybe get lost in that process, and we go in and try to get that money back. Or if a customer returns a product, if you bought an Amazon, you know, once it gets scanned by UPS, you get automatically reimbursed. Amazon doesn't do a great job tracking that product back into your fulfillment center and or FBA. And so we track those for our clients. Um, from a data perspective, um, we've gone super heavy this year in data. Uh, so we brought two full-time data analysts in. We're looking to hire two more this upcoming year. There's about 15,000 reports that Amazon gives you. And unfortunately, those reports aren't tied or bound well enough to give you a good understanding of what is profitable, what isn't profitable, what are return rates and all these pieces. So we have taken this, we, we're significant in the visualization space um, and being able to, to take these tables, buy in them and provide great insights to our clients so they know where they're making money, where they're losing money and to help um, shore that up the best way we can. Yeah, I love that emphasis on numbers, especially how you illuminated the difference between the top line and the bottom line. And I would imagine that in the world of e-commerce, so many things happen in between those two lines. Talk to us about some of those intricacies, Josh, because obviously leveraging an agency like yours, you have literally decades of experience, which is rare to say in this space, you have decades of experience in this realm. What are some of those things that are maybe uncontrollable, such as just the, the nature of doing business on Amazon versus what are the, some of those things that are controllable? First thing that comes to mind, uncontrollable is returns. Um, Amazon has made it so easy um, to return anything for any reason. Um, so that is an uncontrollable. What you can do on the controllable side, on the flip side of that, is to have an asset recovery team that is actively managing your returns. Um, Amazon has made it a little bit easier recently to do uh, safety claims um, in regards to FBA removals. And so we have a team that manages most of our clients' um, removals and makes sure that we're getting the things back we should. A lot of people do switcheroos, meaning they buy a new one, replace it with their old used one. We actually got, uh, we had a client that sold an Xbox and we ended up getting a brake rotor back. Um, and so trying to do the best to, to shore up that loss on the back end, we can't always control the top end returns. And we're seeing, depending on your category, 15 to 30% in clothing, closer to 50% returns but you have to shore up the losses that are coming in through that back end. Yeah, it's funny listening to this. Obviously, I'm not in the e-commerce game. So just listening to it as a consumer, I'm just like, these are all the things that I imagine that they do happen. And hearing you talk about it from experience, I'm just like, okay, for sure, that does happen. I want to ask mm -hmm. a little bit more about that. Because as a consumer, the one thing that I notice when I hop onto Amazon is what's the brand that always comes up at the top? Amazon Basics. Amazon themselves sells so many of these products. Josh, what can you explain to us a little bit more about the Amazon Basics game and how that's played? but also what is that and how does it factor into what you are doing on your side as a marketer, as a seller on the platform? Well, this is the fun one. For those that are on the West Coast or I know East Coast has some, Costco has been doing this for years. They have their own brand Kirkland and they'll bring a product in, they see the sale through and they go, well, why are we paying this company to do it? We'll just make our own. And so they're taking their data. Amazon has a much larger data set and they're able to look at what's selling and what's selling well and what the price points are. And so unfortunately they are able to take that data from manufacturers, from other sellers, uh, from brands and then start making their own um, at a much deeper discount and 
because they own the platform, they get to put their product ahead of search in a lot of a lot of ways. So, like if you're looking for um, like a a notebook, one of the first things that's going to pop up is an Amazon Basics notebook. You're looking for pencils, Amazon Basic pencils, even though you may have put uh, a specific brand in there. Um, so it is a very very complicated space um, to be competing against the marketplace that you're trying to sell on. Yeah, it's interesting hearing the way that you phrase that. It does show how ludicrous I would imagine at times of a game it feels like you're playing. With that said, though, obviously you're really good at what you do. So I'm super curious to hear your insights as to how do you start outranking Google on their or not Google Amazon on their own marketplace? What are the keys there? Are we talking about the way that you title the product? Are we talking about the description, reviews, the brand? It's a word that you've mentioned a few times already, which is fascinating to me. The brand behind e-commerce selling i'm sure it's a combination of all of it dispel some of that for us yeah fair enough i do think brands have kind of come to die um in the amazon ecosphere so back in the day you go and you go buy a name brand um but uh, the more and more people have asked around can you tell me the last five brands you bought on amazon they're like no but i can tell you what what i bought and so that's changed the the buying process and also the branding and that's what private label is doing so well on amazon because if you can get your product up in search, um, it doesn't. Customers don't necessarily care if you're a brand. And one of the things you were asking about is a title, is it bullet points, is it description? I would say it's all. So one of the things our agencies hyper focus on is listing optimization. And what I mean by that is trying to make the listing as um, SEO friendly as it possibly can. And there's various ways to do that from the, the length of the title and what you're, what's in there. We also use a lot of AI uh, to help generate. We take competitor listings that are in the space that have done well and some niche ones, and we use those. Uh, we do um, scraping for keywords. We partner in with our PPC team um, and try to take as many of the words that are converting on PPC plus what we're finding organically, shove those together, maximize our title because um, they, they give you... Um, a certain amount of your title. We have a bullet points. We do the same thing. We maximize as much as we can in bullet points. Same thing with description with A plus content. We do alt text to make sure that we're, we're maximizing as much organic traffic as we can. And then with that, um, on a monthly basis, we have our PPC team work with our listing optimization team and we start harvesting keywords that are converting well in PPC and moving them over to organic. Uh, Working with that as well, trying to get our, our click-through rate and our conversion rate higher, which also brings down our BSR. So we spend a lot of time just on listing optimization, um, trying to reduce spend on the advertising as much as we can and make it as much organic. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk about the way that organic and paid can play together and the data that you get from each can really drive the decisions and the strategy that you use in the other arena. Talk to us about the role of paid when it comes to e-commerce and especially on Amazon, because in my world, for example, I, I used to sell a lot of online courses. That's how I got started in, in internet marketing. And within the world of internet marketing, a lot of times you want to see people sell things successfully test their funnel before they ever throw money at paid ads. It's a totally different game. How's it work in the world of Amazon? Do you go paid ads to accelerate your, your path to the top? Does it come in after you know something is already selling? I'd love to hear your thought process there. Uh, you have you have to advertise on Amazon. Um, and it, it's expensive. Um, it takes some time. It takes about 30 days to get a good run, especially if you're, you're launching a new brand, you're, um, a, a new product uh, that you may not have had in your catalog. You can util utilize the honeymoon stage the best way you can. 
Um, you, you need to be making sure that you're doing an auto campaign, harvesting as many words as you can, start working on broad, exact phrase, and start tuning it in. But you have to have an educated, smart um, person that has been seasoned within PPC to know how to take all that data and distill it down and be able to use it. And that's why we we have, over the last year and a half, moved into a spot where we don't make moves or decisions without data. Um, we'll, we'll do some A-B testing, but data is the one that drives drives keys. So with that is you have, you have to do PPC in Amazon. But the thing is, if you're not monitoring it, your ACoS, your ROAS, your ACoS is going to go through the roof. Your ROAS is going to tank to the floor um, and it's not going to be worth it. I mean, there's some brands that we've helped take on that had a 50 to 75% ACoS and they, they were losing money because they didn't understand what was going on with their ads. So you, it's, it's got to be something that you are actively engaged in. But if you're not engaged in it, you're not going to move. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very quick way to not only grow a brand on Amazon, but it's probably a very quick way to also lose a lot of cash if, as you say, you don't stay on top of it and you don't know what you're doing within that realm. And from here, part of what I keep hearing pop up for you is that obviously, and it makes sense that you guys are hiring in this domain, is obviously your obsession with metrics. What are some of these? And I know you're throwing some acronyms out at us, but break down those metrics that you pay attention to when it comes to successfully selling on Amazon. Uh, there's so many. Um, if we look from a tactical standpoint, um, you have return rates, um, you, you have uh, on-time shipping rates, you have on-time delivery rates, uh, or on-time del- delivery um, times. And so there's certain metrics that Amazon holds you to to be a seller and making sure that if you don't hit these, they can pull you off the platform. Um, then you need to, I think it's really important to understand on the return rate metric, like what is your overall return? What is that percentage of your sales that is coming back? Cause as I said, Amazon will eat your bottom line for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you're not paying attention to it. Um, also, um, we like to look at the percentage of sales to shipping. So if we're shipping items into FBA, how much of that sits in, in the overall profitability metric, um, in Amazon, it's, um, a cost, which is the average cost of sale. So how much is costing to actually uh, sell that product, the return on investment, um, understanding, are we using the dollars in the right way? Um, uh, we, we look at, um, it's not necessarily metrics, but we bring a lot of data in from the uh, Amazon payout and we break that down and convert all that over to make it clean. Cause if anybody's ever tried putting an Amazon payout into their ERP or QuickBooks, it's not the easiest thing to track. Um, so th- there, there's a lot out there. It's just a matter of distilling it and finding out how, how you want to see it and what, what do you do with it? Yeah, with all of those. And and it's funny to me because we haven't even talked about the fulfillment side of things. We haven't even talked about the product sourcing side, which Josh, I definitely want to get into with you here today because I know it's one of the areas that we receive a lot of questions from listeners about. And that is that product sourcing. When we log on to Instagram or Facebook, we see all these ads from people trying to sell you online courses about selling on Amazon. And they make it seem so easy. They make it seem like you go to Alibaba, you find some cheap products, you ship it to Amazon, you use FBA and boom, you're a millionaire overnight night. Obviously, that's not the reality of it. Talk to us about, I mean, it could be one viable product sourcing method, but talk to us about the different types of products, how to source them. Are a lot of brands making their own products? Are they are they getting into the manufacturing business? Are they just sourcing from third parties like Alibaba? What's that landscape actually look like behind the scenes? 
there, there's a few ways of doing it. Uh, you could do the Alibaba route, but if you do do that, and if you've been searching before, you'll see the same product branded eight different ways, um, which isn't really that great of a differentiator. We had a client, I don't know, four years ago, three years ago, when we first started doing some of this, is they did uh, glass, like glass for your iPhone. Talk about a complex market to sell in, and they were all the same. Uh, we found more and more success from people that have industry experience. Um, and then we're able to take that and move move it someplace else. So imagine someone um, was a shoe. No, no, they know shoes. They've been in shoes their whole life. And so they know the brands, they know what sells, and then they start sourcing a manufacturer to make something similar um, that is competing. Because like as I said, brands are brands are fading. Um, and so if you're able to get a similar product at a much better price and you do a good job with your organic um, listing uh, optimization and good PPC, uh, you can start playing in that space relatively quick as long as it's a, as a quali quality product that you're putting out there. Um, I'd find something that is more um, more niche um, and not so generic. Uh, you can play in those spaces that are really, really heavy, but uh, you'll find yourself in a much better spot if you go private label and have a unique product on the manufacturing side. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because as we're having this conversation, I'm looking here on my desk and I've got a bunch of Amazon purchases as we all do. And I can see, for example, USB Hub. And on top of my USB Hub is a company that I have no idea who they are. They were a really well-rated USB Hub that I ended up buying from. And, and with that in mind, it totally resonates with me as a consumer when you say brands are dying because you're right, I'm brand agnostic. I'm I'm, I pay attention to price, I pay attention to reviews. With that said, how much, if at all, does customer loyalty play into this? Are, are you able to resell to your existing customers or, or is it just a case of, hey, we're at the mercy of organic search rankings plus our PPC strategy. We go after customers, whether they're new or existing, every single day. I'd love to hear your thought process there. I, I think that there is a good opportunity still to bring people off Amazon with a big enough brand. Um, but it's becoming more and more difficult. Amazon, under the terms of service, make it difficult or impossible to, to really market that customer because they, they consider the customer an Amazon customer. Um, so, But there also have been brands that have come out of, of Amazon and are now standalone brands with their own websites and, and sales. And so it's not impossible, um, but um, I was just at a board meeting with a few other major brands and retailers, and they're constantly trying to figure out what is the uh, the return customer investment on Amazon or marketplace. And they're doing, a, they're spending a lot of time and a lot of money to try to figure out, are they, are they taking from their website? Are they moving it to Amazon? Is it going also to Walmart? What about target? And they're, they're trying to transfer, follow that customer. And the reality of it is, is you are more than likely not going to get a repeat customer. Um, you may, um, but it's it's going to be that USB hub. The next time you need a USB hub, are you going to search for that exact brand? Or are you going to go on going, hey, I want a four port USB with USB four. And then you'll do the same thing you did this last time. You're going to search for a good brand with good reviews or a, a highly rated product at a good price. And you, you'll probably go that way. And so the repeat customer and having customer loyalty in Amazon is a very, very difficult process. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Absolutely based on buying behaviors. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this, which also brings to light the importance of reviews. Josh, I actually feel bad talking to you now because I'm realizing all these great products that I do buy and lean on from Amazon. 
I've probably left a review maybe like four times in my life and it was probably because it was something that was really exceptional or something that was broken by the time that it arrived to me. Josh, yep. how do you even go about, how much strategy can you even put into reviews when you really are at the mercy of people either taking action or being lazy? And let's be honest, most people will always choose lazy. <laughs> Correct. And so you, there are um, platforms out there that will illicit reviews. Amazon has a very strict process as to how that format looks, uh, but there are platforms out there that can send reviews. So after delivery, wait seven days, send it between this time and this time. And as a request for a review, it's really simple. You click one star to five star for that product. Typically to your point, it's very few people will leave an organic review unless it's like horribly negative or incredibly amazing. Um, but we find more and more people that will leave negative reviews because um, they're searching. Like, I'm so upset, I'm going to go leave a review. So we try to put um, this in front of all, all of our clients, uh, all of our clients' customers. Of when the item lands, we figure out how long does it take um, for them to use that product. And once they use it, wait a couple of days and then request a review. And then we find at different times, East Coast, we do better requesting a review in the morning. West Coast, we have a better chance of uh, requesting in the evening. And so trying to choose those time slots for that. And then if we start seeing the data shift uh, one way or the other, we, we start doing some A-B testing to figure out when, when from a day perspective, from what time of the day, wh what the length is, because we found Mondays and Fridays are really bad days to send reviews. Saturday mornings tend to work. And so those are some of the, like, the tactics um, to, to help elicit more reviews for the products. Yeah. And once again, I think it exemplifies your approach and your obsession with that data to make data driven decisions, which I think is so powerful. And that's why I love the fact that your team is not only so big, but that it's also always growing because I'm thinking about so many of our listeners are more on the solopreneur side for the time being. And as they grow, gosh, how much does it benefit having a team to support those efforts? I've got to ask you this, Josh, because you already brought up the introduction of AI in the world of e-commerce. How has that impacted the world of e-commerce. I would imagine it's made things a lot quicker and hopefully a lot better. But even looking forward as far as what AI is going to be doing for here, what are some of those trends that you see when you look to the future? Uh, copy. Copy is a really, really big one that AI is simple with. Um, so if you're looking for title, bullet points, descriptions, it does a really good job. We're seeing a big rise in AI for photo generation. Um, being able to do backdrops and lifestyle photos. Um, we're, we're seeing that be a big play. Um, th there are a few things out there to making videos. We haven't got into that that one much. Um, but the, the other part is being able to scrape data um, and take that data and synthesize it down to the most relevant keywords, um, the highest producing. So, so say you have this, this data grave of all your PPC data and then be able to run that through um, AI for it to automatically, instead of doing, I sort this and I sort this and I sort this and then I take these out, but being able to synthesize all that data on a few key things where you can give a data grave of tens if not hundreds of thousands of lines and you get 10, 15 items out within a minute at most. Um, and so, I, I, I tell anybody in this, if you're not involved in AI in some way, shape or form, you need to be. Um, so we have also, for some of our clients that do arbitrage, uh, we're able to take the link from the, the manufacturer's website and say, build me a title, bullet points and description based off this website. Um, and it's directly from the manufacturer. And we get that as a, as a V1. And then we start building off of that. So 
previously we'd have a team out there reading it writing trying to do copy um but this has definitely sped up the process significantly yeah for sure and i love hearing your perspectives on it because ai i feel like right now is catching a bad rap because of just how widespread it is and people have no idea what to do with it but hearing these practical uses from your end it's for sure impacting your industry as i think it's going to impact all of ours so getting a grasp on how to use it is super helpful Josh, as we come towards the end, you've introduced us to so many different topics and considerations within the world of e-commerce, within the world of Amazon here today. I want to ask you about inflection points, because I know that every industry and every business model has different inflection points. For example, if you have an agency going from zero to your first $100,000, there's a different set of questions that will take you from 100K to your first million to your first 10 million after that. What are those inflection points in the world of Amazon, in the world of e-commerce? Like, is it, you know, easy to go from zero to one? And then is it hard to break past half a million, a million? What are some of those inflection points that you've seen along the way? It's, I think it's at least two-sided here, right? And so one is the team you have behind you. Um, we, we find ourselves often talking with um, up and coming brands um, within the private label space that are operating one or two people. And the founders, also the PPC person, which is also the customer service person, which is also the sourcing person, which is all right. And you just get spread so thin. And you can only do so much with that, that amount of, of that amount of work, right? um, meaning the CEO actually, or the founder can't go out and source. They can't do the things that they are good at for the business because they're, they're wrapped up in the minutia. And so one is understanding the strengths of the founder and the strength of the people that are on the team, especially when they're small, and find ways to, to expand those. And that's why as an agency, um, we, we found ourselves to be really helpful because we go, you go do what you want to do. We have a team from customer service to listing, to brand managers, to PPC, to data, we, we have all those. Let us take our experience and you go do what you want to do. Um, and then the second part of that is um, financing and sourcing. And so that's where you might be able to, to run this thing um, under the first million relatively easy. Um, but to get above that one million, it, it does require a significant amount of cash, capital, and resources because you have lead times in FBA, you have lead times for payout. So you need to have a good amount of cash sitting in, in a bank or on a loan just to be able to turn that because by the time you purchase it, depending if you're on terms, let's pretend you're not on terms. You buy it, it takes a week so to get shipped to you. So now you're one week in. It takes a day or so to get it prepped for FBA. You ship it into FBA, it takes a week to two weeks. You sell it, you're on a two week cycle for payouts. So very quickly, you can see that you're four to six weeks out from the time that you bought it to the time you get your first pay. And so being able on the early stages to, to put as much cash in the bank as you can to allow yourself to scale. Yeah, so many considerations there, Josh. As I teased at the top of this episode, I, I love the fact that you can show us the complexities of it, but also the simplicities of understanding, hey, these are all the different moving parts. These are essentially, I'm picturing it as departments, which is why I think that it's so awesome the way that you've built your team over the years is because you address, here's the data and analytics side of thing. Here's the PPC side of the world, the fulfillment, the customer service, all of that. So I love how you've introduced us to all the different departments behind a successful e-commerce 
e-commerce business and Amazon business. So Josh, this is the hardest part of the interview for me or for you, easiest part for me. And that is to somehow summarize for listeners hearing this and they've been itching to get into the e-commerce game or they've been itching to up level their e-commerce game. We've had so many amazing e-commerce guests throughout 2023 so far. And a lot of listeners are taking action and launching their own brands or sourcing products. What's the action that you want them to take? What's something that they would benefit from as they look to be successful in the e-commerce game and specifically selling on Amazon's marketplace? I would find someone to partner with. And what I mean by that is an agency, um, finding people that know the space better than you. Um, Because Amazon is a behemoth in and of itself. Uh, We walk along some fairly large manufacturers and brands and they know their space well. You get into Amazon and it is, it's a jungle. Um, and so I would say find someone or find an agency that can help support you. Um, that's also not going to take you for granted or advantage of you. There are some agencies that take a significant uh, take out of your spend for PPC or top line sales from a sales perspective. Uh, but find someone that's going to be on your team. Find someone that's going to work with you. Um, I love the opportunity to, to, to talk to any of you about, about that and see if there's something that we can, we can support and we can help with, but bring someone on, find a, a bolt on solution because building out your own team gets highly expensive. I mean, you're looking 70 to a hundred thousand dollars for a good Amazon person. And that's just one person that's not going to be able to, to cross dock everything within your organization, um, from customer service to feedback to FBA to account health. And there's so many different buckets that need to be taken care of that one person can't do it. And typically if you find a, if you find a good agency, you'll find someone that can do all those roles for about one to one and a half employees. Yeah, Josh, I love that advice, especially because as you're talking about this and introducing us to the Amazon game, what I'm hearing is I'm thinking about taxes. And I'm just like, we all inherently know we'll never understand 70,000 pages of the tax code, which is why we turn to an expert. And here in the Amazon game, you've introduced us to so many concepts and considerations here today that it makes sense to partner with people who have understood this, who have been in the game and who have mastered it because there's no way for us as individuals, or even if you've got a small team to master all of these aspects, which Josh is a natural segue. The stage is yours for listeners who want to have a conversation with you, who want to understand more about what your agency does and how you help so many other sellers. Drop those links on us. Where should listeners go from here? Uh, you can check out sojourconsulting.io. Again, that's sojournconsulting.io. Um, we're in the middle of doing a revamp, but the data is there. The contact information is there. Um, also, I'm assuming we'll be able to put my email, which is josh at sojourn, S-O-J-O-U-R-N, G-R-P, which is gulfromeopaul.com. Uh, shoot me an email. I w- we will give you one optimization on your um on your catalog for free. And what, that, what we'll do with that is we'll track it. So we'll give you title, bullet points, and description. Uh, we won't touch A-plus content just because that takes too much time. But what we'll do is we'll give you the information. You can choose to do with it what you want. Upload it. Let us know when you upload it. We'll track BSR. We'll track um, your your category ranking. And then we'll, we'll follow up with you in the next two to four weeks and let you know how it went. Um, we haven't found anybody that has taken a one free optimization and has not come back and said, okay, let's keep going. So it's, it's yours for free. If it grants you more, more sales and you're able to increase your revenue. Great. Uh, but just want to throw that out there. 
Yes, a very generous offer, Josh. I absolutely love that because it's of service to your future clients. And of course, it's of service to your business showing how good you are at what you guys do. So listeners, you already know the drill. Wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode, scroll right on down. You'll find those links as well as Josh's email address. We're going to mask it so you guys actually have to type it in when you email him so he doesn't get inundated with spam as tends to happen with any email address listed on podcast notes. But listeners, definitely go down, check those show notes, find that link to Josh's agency, get that help. If you are an e-commerce owner and you want that free optimization, take them up on that. I want to hear these success stories. I love hearing how many people, listeners or guests or entrepreneurs who tune in are able to partner with guests who are amazing at what they do. So don't be shy. Take Josh up on that. Otherwise, Josh, thank you so much for coming on, being so generous with the depth of your knowledge here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you. And it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to theentrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.